Welcome to another inspirational message from Bridge Church Melbourne. We're going to share today, uh, the title of the message is Burning the Plows. And uh, I want to share from 1 Kings chapter 19. And so you can go ahead and get that ready in your Bible. We're going to look at um, the life of two guys, Elijah and Elisha. Some people get those two names confused. Um, You know, Elijah was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. He was bold. He was courageous. He was full of faith. And um, Elisha had heard about Elijah and he saw what was on Elijah's life and thought, I want to have what he's got. And so Elisha actually had the audacity. He was bold enough to ask for a double portion of Elijah's anointing. How would you feel if someone came up to you and went, hey, you're awesome. I actually want double of what you've got. (laughs) You'd be like, really? Okay. (laughs) But he had the, the courage and the boldness and God in his sovereign will gave Elisha a double portion of Elijah's anointing because he asked. When you read further uh, in the Bible about Elisha's life, you can study it later. It actually says that he performed more recorded miracles in Scripture than anyone else with the exception of Jesus. Pretty amazing, hey? You know, the most interesting thing about this guy, Elisha, is that he was so ordinary. So ordinary. When you read about him, he wasn't the son of a priest He wasn't the son of a prophet. He wasn't, um, you know, a, a big strong man or anything like that. He was just an ordinary guy who was living at home with his parents, working on the family farm when God called him to do something incredible. And in 1 Kings 19 verse 19, it says, So Elijah went from there and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Elijah had been doing the same job for a very long time. Who's been in a job more than two years? Give us a wave in the same place. Not many of you. He'd been working in the same job, the same role, the same position for a very long time. And he was working on his parents' farm. He was driving the yoke of oxen. And I don't know if you can imagine what it would be like to drive a yoke of oxen. It's not something that we think about very much. You don't usually drive down the Ring Road or the Westgate Freeway and see a yoke of oxen just walking on the side. I come from Bangkok and so that's something that we actually do see. (laughs) It actually stops traffic. We've been, you know, driving sometimes and then there's all these water buffaloes just in the road. And you're like, okay, move, beeping the horn. They don't listen. They just do what they want. But that's what he was doing. And if you think about that sort of role, driving this yoke of oxen, really think about it because sometimes we can read Scripture and we gloss over it. 
And so we read it and we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't take the time to actually get a picture in our minds of what was actually taking place and what God is saying to us through it. And so when he was driving that yoke of oxen every day, what was he looking at? What was he smelling? What was he walking? Can you get the picture? For some of us, you you haven't quite got there. There's a few people who are like, yeah, and others are like, I don't know. I want to show you just really quickly. We've got a video because I just want you to get a picture in your head of what it might have felt like to be like Elisha. You might not be looking at oxen rears. It's a boat, beautiful boat. Oh, here we go. Oh, beautiful. So this is Elisha. It's not too bad at the moment. Seems kind of fine. He's in the outdoors. Fresh air. Okay, this is this is his actual view. All day, every day. So if he if he looks down, he's looking down at mud. If he looks up, he's looking at something else. You get the picture? Like that's his view all day, every day. You wake up in the morning, you're going to go and look at some oxens, whatevers, or you're going to look at mud and you're just trudging through this mud day after day, month after month, year after year. I don't know about you, but if I was Elisha, I probably would have been asking myself, what am I doing with my life? You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes it can feel like we're like Elisha, like this, where it feels like we're doing the same thing over and over again. And once you achieve what you set out to do, the cycle starts again. Has anyone felt like that before? Do we have any new parents in the building today? Anyone with babies? When you've got a baby, your life is just like you only do three things. You change nappies. You feed the baby, you do the laundry, you change your nappies, you feed the baby, you just do it over and over and over again. And then people have the audacity to come and say, what do you do all day? (laughs) I remember when my kids were babies and people were like, so what do you do all day? I was just like, God, give me the grace not to punch them in the face right now. Just let your peace come upon me. (laughs) Yes, amen. Or maybe you're in sales and, you know, you're working hard to hit all of your targets and you get close to the end of the month and you work really hard to get everything in for the end of the month. And, and, you know, once you've got it all in, it's like, yes. And then it's like day one again and you've got to start hitting all the targets for the next month. Life can feel like that, that we're constantly doing the same thing over and over. And it's incredibly easy to lose your passion when you feel like you're stuck in this cycle. And that's where Elisha was. But I want you to notice that he was being faithful in the task at hand. And I believe with all my heart that God rewards those who are faithful in the little things. You see, when you're faithful in the little, God can trust you with so much more. And some of us, we try to fast track what God is gonna do in our lives. And God's saying, be faithful here. And we're trying to find opportunities and we're trying to find people who are in, endorse us and trying to find ways that we can fast track ourselves. And God is saying, just be faithful in what what you are doing. And Elisha, even though it probably wasn't his favourite thing to do, looking at this view all day, every day, 
even though it would have been incredibly draining physically and emotionally, he was faithful. And in the middle of his faithful daily routine, God sent something new to take him from where he was into a place of impact. God is looking for you in your field that he planted you in in the first place. Don't try and make other ways. Don't try and make it happen in your own strength. God is looking for you in your field. He found Elisha in the field. He found David in the field when they were looking for the new king. All these people were presented, all the other brothers were presented before Samuel. And Samuel said, no, there must be someone else. And they found David in the field doing what he was asked to do. At the end of verse 19, Elijah, who was a great man of God that Elisha would have looked up to, went up to him and he threw his cloak on him, which is kind of weird in our context. Like if you're at work and someone just comes up to you and throws a jacket on you, you'd be like, security, it's weird. But in their context, it was a symbolic gesture, what he was trying to show by throwing his cloak, his jacket, his covering on Elisha. He was saying, my covering will now be your covering. My anointing that has been placed on me will now be your anointing. God has been working through me and now God is gonna work through you. And so he put his covering over Elisha. And so today I wanna show you how Elisha, this very ordinary man, let's never take the Bible out of context and think that everybody was just living this amazing life. Sometimes we, we look at Bible heroes and we just think they had this amazing life. They were walking with God, hearing from Him every day. Life was amazing. But if you take a deeper look, most of them came from ordinary backgrounds. Most of them were doing mundane things, but being faithful in what God had called them to do. And so we're gonna look at how Elisha, this ordinary man responded to this extraordinary call. And I wanna share with you two principles we can learn from his commitment that we can apply to our own lives today. Are you ready? Awesome. The first one is this, obedience unlocks understanding. Obedience unlocks understanding. You know, God doesn't owe you an explanation. We think He does. We demand it from it. We're like, God, tell me. He doesn't owe you an explanation. Often we have no idea why He has asked us to do what He has asked us until we step out in obedience. In verse 20, Elijah put his cloak around Elisha. Elisha immediately left his oxen, ran after Elijah and said, give me two minutes. I've got to go kiss my mum and dad goodbye because I don't know if I'm going to see them again. And then I'm coming with you. Think about this. He immediately responded to Elijah. He didn't go have a prayer meeting. He didn't go gather all of his life group members say, guys, we need to meet up. He didn't go put it on Facebook and do a poll. He didn't spend like, you know, a long time like fasting and praying. And don't take what I'm saying out of context because it's important to pray. It's important to fast and it's important to get counsel. But in that moment, Elisha felt that God was speaking to him. And so in that very moment, he said, God, I believe that you're in this and I don't know the details, but since I have a sense that this has come from you and I believe this is from you, I'm gonna obey straight away. You don't have to understand. You don't have to have all of the details to immediately obey. 
And while it's really good to have a plan for the future, I'm a planner. Anyone else a planner here? Like I'm, I'm a bit too organised where my husband's like, just chill out a little bit. Like my kitchen, like everything's in order. My desk is my sacred space because it's the only part of the house that no one can touch. Everything's in order. And I know if someone's even walked past, I'm just like, who walked, who breathed on my desk? Like the post-it notes moved a little bit. (laughs) I like to have order. I like to plan. It makes me feel like um, I'm in control. I've already got my 2020 calendar fully set. And it makes me feel prepared. makes me feel so good. It makes me feel like I'm moving forward and I can take on the world. And um, I love it. But the only problem is when I'm setting my calendar, God doesn't usually check in with me. It's a bit rude. (laughs) I'm like... Let's, okay, let's, let's do this together. And he doesn't usually say anything, so I make my plans. And, um, you know, he doesn't tap me on the shoulder and say, you know what, keep the first week of October free next year because I'm going to show up in an amazing way and you're just going to need all the space that you can get because I'm going to do something powerful. He's never once said that to me. It's very frustrating. <laughs> but often God speaks to us in the moment. And if we're spiritually ready, we'll be able to jump into those opportunities. I believe that if you would get in a posture of spiritual readiness, you can't plan what God is going to do from a year from now. But if you're ready, you will be able to obey immediately, even if you don't understand why He's asking you to do what He's asked you to do. I bumped into Amy yesterday and she was telling me that in the middle of fire conference, God spoke to her and said, go for a walk up the street. She was like, why? So she walked up the street, got to the top of the street and was like, okay, we're going to walk back down the street. Walked down the street, still unsure of why she was doing what she was doing. But when she got to the bottom of the street, God put a man in her path who just needed to know the love of Jesus and she was able to share the gospel with him. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise. It's often those little whispers where we're like, why? That's too, that's weird. That's crazy. God, give me like more direction. Give me direction about my calling, my anointing, my future. And God's like, no, just go for a walk up the street. (laughs) You know, when Jesse and I first got married, we've been together almost 20 years. Crazy and awesome. And when we first got married, we were on a, um, a very tight budget to the extent that we only had enough money for groceries for three weeks. And so the fourth week of every month, we would have Vegemite toast and we would have baked beans on toast for the last day as a special treat. That was our life. We'd have enough for like fresh fruit and vegetables and meat and everything, but only for three weeks. And, um, you know, often we would be praying or in a, in a service or something and just feel God speak to us about blessing someone or doing something for someone or helping someone out. And we just felt so stuck because we were like, I, I want to do something to help them, but literally have no money. Like I, I can't do anything. And we really struggled with that. And so we went to God and, and started praying about it. Um, and we heard this message and it was all about having a margin for generosity. 
creating a margin in your budget for generosity. And as we heard this message, we were just like, that's it. We've got to do this. We don't know where the money's going to come from, but we've got to create space. And so we went through and worked through every little detail and worked out if we buy this brand of washing powder and if we buy this and all these sorts of things so that we could find a little bit of space in our budget so that we could have money saved so that if God called us to do something for someone, we would be able to respond. I want to tell you, it changed everything. We suddenly felt like we could obey immediately. And it wasn't like we had lots of money or anything, but sometimes when someone's in need, you can pray for them and we need to do that. And it's very important. But also if someone's really struggling, it's nice to buy them some dinner or it's nice to send some flowers or it's nice to to go and buy them a coffee or just help them out in a little way. You want to create space in your life so that you can respond immediately, be able to say yes immediately. And here's the way that God will lead you. He rarely gives you the details. Very rarely, you read in the Bible, He very rarely gave details. He often spoke in one word directions. You know, God in the Old Testament, when He was giving Abraham divine direction for his life, He simply said, go, go to the land I will show you. It's like, thanks God. Which way am I going to go? Like, it's when you actually think about it practically, it's like, okay, you're telling me to go, but like literally what way am I going? Um, Same with Moses. His directions with Moses were, Moses, go. Even in um, the New Testament with Peter, when Jesus was walking on water, Peter looked out to him. He saw this crazy situation that was unfolding in front of him. And he called out to Jesus and said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. If that's really you, I want to be in on this. And so Jesus looked back at Peter and said, come. Can you imagine Peter? He's like, yeah, no, we need a little more details. Because what you're doing right now is defying the laws of gravity. Like this has never been done before. So come is probably not going to cut it right now. But Jesus just looked at him and said, come. Some of you here today might only receive one word from God. And I'm actually believing that in this service today, that God is going to give you one word. I don't know what it will be. I think it'll probably be different to you than the person next to you. But maybe if you're in a marriage and you're struggling right now, and you can't see how you're going to repair it, maybe God's word for you is stay. You don't have to understand completely how it's going to work out, but you can obey that immediately. Maybe someone in your family is going through a serious health scare and, and you don't know what the future is going to hold. And God's word for you is trust. And you don't know what it's going to look like, but He's just saying trust and that's something that you can do. Maybe you've got an idea for your business. And God's planted this idea in your heart and you're not even sure how it's going to work out. Maybe it's something that you haven't seen before. Maybe it's something completely different to what you've done before. And you're trying to work out how this is all going to work out. Is this a good decision? Is this a bad decision? Is this wise? Is this the right time? Is the market ready for this? And maybe God's word for you today is start. And you don't actually know all the details, but if you get a word from God and you obey immediately, He will start to lay out the steps and help you understand what He's doing. For some of you, maybe you've been coming for 
a while and just, you know, coming along and checking it out and everything. And maybe God's word for you today is commit, commit, make this your home. Make this your home. Surround yourself in community of people who love you so much. Maybe you're in a relationship. Maybe you're just an awesome, beautiful girl and you're dating someone who is not right for you. You know it. Your friends know it. Your family knows it. God knows it. Everybody knows it. But you've got these doubts in your mind of what's going to happen. Am I ever going to find someone else? Am I ever going to find another partner? You've got all of these worries about what will happen. And maybe God's word for you today is he's just got one word for you and maybe it's break up with him. That's four words actually, because you're awesome. You deserve it. Four words, break up with him. Maybe, I don't know. But often God is speaking to us about things that we know in our hearts. And, and you know, sometimes we just have to let go and say, God, okay, I, I don't know how it's all gonna work out, but I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna do what you say today. When it comes to hearing the voice of God, you don't have to understand what it means. You don't have to understand everything. You just have to do what God tells you to do. I love the songs that we sing where we're like, God, send me, God, use me. And I love that we sing that, but we actually have to step out in it as well. It's not a song. It's not just something that makes us feel good on a Sunday, because if you sing that on a Sunday and you don't take action during the week, then we've missed the point of what we're singing, yeah? So some of you are going to hear one word from God and you're going to be bold enough to say, God, I I don't quite understand, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow you. The second thing we can learn from Elisha's actions is this. When you fully surrender, when you really let go, that's when God can use you. I love that song we were singing. When I let go, then I found life. It's so true. We, so many of us are holding on to things and we think that we need them. And we're like, God, I need this, I need that. And God, use me and God, send me. And we're holding on to these things. And God is just saying, would you just let go because I have so much more for you. In verse 21, it says, Elisha took his oxen. They were the ones who were plowing the fields. That was his money source. He needed them to do his job so that he could get paid, so that he could survive and put food on the table and provide. And so he took this and he actually made a sacrifice. He burnt the plows. He took everything and threw it into the fire so that it would burn completely. And it was a symbolic gesture that he did. It was his way of saying, there's no plan B for me. I've heard from God. I'm moving forward. I'm not going back to my old life. I wonder what it is in your life that you need to burn, that you actually need to get rid of, that you need to eliminate from your life so that you don't keep going back to it. The disciples, when they first met Jesus, they were going about their everyday lives and Jesus said to them, follow me. And they left everything behind to become His disciples. Don't miss the gravity of what they did. They left everything. Think about your life. One day God says, go. And so you leave behind your job that you've worked in faithfully for so long to get promoted to where you are now. 
the job that you studied for so many years at university to be qualified for. You leave behind your house, you leave behind your neighbourhood, you leave behind your family, you leave behind everything to follow Him. It's not such an easy decision when you put it into perspective of your own life. But there are some of you that God is going to speak to you at some time. Maybe it's today, maybe it's in the future, but God is going to speak to you and give you a plough burning faith. He's going to give you that faith where you just have to burn some things up. You have to burn some ploughs in your life. Let me just qualify quickly. I want to make sure that you're not just going to work tomorrow, going into your boss and quitting your job. (laughs) Make sure God's spoken to you. (laughs) But maybe He's calling you to stop doing something, to break something off in your life so that you stop going back to old habits. When our son Jackson, he's so amazing. He's almost 10. But when he was three, he loved his dummy. He was one of those kids who always had his dummy in his mouth. And um, he always had one in his mouth. He'd have two in his hands. Just to make sure if one of them fell out, he'd always have something. He'd always put one in his pocket. When he went to bed at night, he would have about 20 scattered in his cot. So that if he fell out in the middle of the night, he could just reach out and get another one and put it in. And, um, you know, we just kind of thought it was cute. It wasn't a big deal or anything until one day I was trying to find, look through some photos to get a photo of him to send to my grandma. And I realised that every single photo of our son, he had a dummy in his mouth. (laughs) And so I'm like, all right, we need to do something about this. So he was three years old. And um, one day I spoke to him and I said, hey, Jackson, I'm going to take you to Target. And that Buzz Lightyear that you've been looking at and asking for all year, if you really want it, we can go get it today. He was like, are you serious? I'm like, yep, if you want it, we can go and get it today. But you have to pay for it with your dummies. And he was like, what? And I'm like, yep, so if we go to the store and you buy this Buzz Lightyear, you're going to have to take all of your dummies, put them in a bag, and you have to give it to the cashier because that's how you're going to pay for it. You can't just go to a store and take things. They put you into jail for that. And so he was like, he was like obsessed with Toy Story. And he was like, I need Buzz. And so he was like, yep, we're going. Take my dummy, mum. He pulled it out of his mouth and he gave it to me and he's like, let's go. And so we um, got the pram and walked into town and had all of his dummies. Before we left home, we got them, went into every corner of the room. Like we looked in every cupboard. I looked everywhere because I'm like, I'm not coming back to this house and he's got hiding spots somewhere. So we found every single dummy in the house, put it in a Ziploc bag and we went to Target, got this big Buzz Lightyear and lined up and we finally got to the cashier and uh, he gave her the Buzz Lightyear and I'm like, he's going to pay you with the dummies. And she's like, uh, and I'm like, he's going to pay you with the dummies while I'm holding like $50 behind his head that he can't see. And she's still like, uh, what? No, what? What? And I'm like, come on, just go along with this for me. Help her mom out. He's going to pay you with the dummies. And then I just kind of like, Jackson, take bars and threw the dummies at her. I'm like, throw them in the bin, gave her the money and we ran away. 
But you know, he was so excited to receive that new toy that he went along with it. And it was only later that afternoon when he wanted his dummy because he was about to go to sleep. And I reminded him that he'd given them away, that he realised there was no turning back. And I don't know what it is in your life that you've been holding on to that makes you feel secure. To step forwards in your destiny, you have to step away from your security. And God is going to speak to you and give you the faith to believe that He's calling you to something new. You have to have the faith to go. You don't have to understand to immediately obey. Because God, He just loves to use those who just have that open hand. Who say, God, I'm actually going to let go of this so that you can lead me and guide me. I'm going to let go of this. I'm not going to hold on to this for security anymore. And I'm going to trust in you. Why don't you stand together? We're going to pray right now all across this place. Why don't we lift up our hands? Father, we just pray that you would build faith in this church God, that we would recognise that it is impossible to please You without faith, Lord. We want to follow You. We want to do what You are leading us to do, God. And I'm going to pray for people in a moment. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith over you. But first, I want to ask you a few questions because I want you to really think about your response before we pray together. Oh, I know how many of us are Christians. I wonder how many of us are Christians who have that desire for God to stretch us in our faith, who have that desire to be used by God, who have that desire to be able to hear the whisper and take a step immediately as soon as God speaks. But there's hesitation because you're still holding on to your security. I've spoken to people who have had amazing words spoken over them. And God has spoken to them directly too about things that they needed to step out and do. And they came and they're like, can you pray for me? Like, I'm, you know, God's speaking to me about this. I really wanna do it. I wanna be used by God. But then they start to go into all the details and they're like, but if I do this, I'm just wondering what my position would be. If I, if I take this step, I wonder what my title would be. If I take this step, what's the salary going to be? And you know, when God calls you to obedience, He actually is asking you to sacrifice. He's actually asking you to let go of your security because our security is found in Him. It's not found in things. It's not found in money. It's not found in title. It's not found in position. It's not found in others. I wonder how many of you would say today, I don't want anything to hold me back. I want to obey God. Even if that doesn't make sense, I want to trust Him. If that's you today, why don't you lift up your hands all across this place, just as a sign of faith, a sign of surrender to God. God, I trust You. God, I'm leaning into You in this moment. And actually, this isn't gonna be a moment for me. This is a step of faith for me because the Word that You've spoken to me today, I'm actually gonna take it. God, this is a step of faith for me because You've been putting on my heart the things that I've been holding onto and I'm gonna let them go today. Father, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would do a work within us right now. I pray that through hearing Your Word, that we would build our faith, that we would not just believe in what we can do, but we would believe in what You could do. God, give us an understanding, Lord, of, of Your power.
power of your majesty at work within us. Lord, I pray that we would never put our trust in things, God, but we would always put our trust in you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you would just build boldness and courage in our hearts today. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us hear the whisper that comes from you, God, that we would not miss what you are saying to us. In Jesus' Name, Amen. You know, when Pastor Jesse and I were first called to go to Bangkok, God actually spoke to us. We were on the Gold Coast at a conference and just in the middle of a meeting, you know, it was just a regular meeting and God just spoke to both of us. We weren't even sitting next to each other about going to Bangkok. And as soon as I felt God speak it, I was so filled with worry, so filled with just fear and frustration, if I'm being honest, because I'm like, no, God, I don't want to go to Thailand. (laughs) I live in South Yarra. Like, I don't want to go to Bangkok. You know, I was just like, and you know, my next thing was like, God, what on earth are you doing? Like, this is definitely not in the plan for our lives. Had a newborn baby at the time and it was just like, God, what are you doing? But you know, the reason we stepped out is because we actually had 15 years prior where we were getting ready spiritually. 15 years of hearing God's voice. And you know, when He first started to speak to us, it was really difficult. That story I shared to you at the start about trying to find margin in our budget for finance was because that was such a difficult thing for us at the time. It was like, God, we don't know how we're gonna get $10. Now it seems ridiculous because we have faith that if we step out, that God will supply all of our needs, that He will take care of us. But at the time it was like, God, this is really difficult. But the more that you lean in and the more that you obey Him and the more that you go to the Word of God and say, God, would you speak to me? I want to obey you. The easier it becomes to get spiritually ready. The easier it becomes to hear Him and obey. And you know, earlier this year at Closer Conference, Dr. Michael Maiden was prophesying over people and he called Jesse and myself out and he started praying over us. And um He talked about when we were moving to Bangkok and then he just stopped mid-sentence and started counting. And he was like, one, two. I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) Three, four. And we're just like, this is a bit weird. Like everyone else had a regular word and we're just getting like the counting word. He kept going five, six, seven, eight. He just kept going and he was getting nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And he looked at us and he said, 16. And then he said, God just gave me a picture of all the people that he called to Bangkok before he spoke to you. He said there were 15 other people that he spoke to about starting this church in Bangkok, but you were the first ones to say yes. Come on, you don't have to be the first one that God speaks to. Sometimes we think we have to be the one and God's not looking for the one. He's looking for the first one who will say yes. Are you willing to say yes to Jesus today? Come on, let's give Jesus a shout of faith. Come on, let's extend our faith today. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We worship.
Thank you for joining us for this message today. It is an incredible privilege to share with you the Word of God and we trust that you've been blessed by listening. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we want to extend an invitation to you to begin the faith journey of following Jesus. The Bible teaches us every one of us have been created for relationship with God. Sin has separated every one of us from that relationship, but God has provided a solution in giving us His Son, Jesus Christ. John 3.16 tells us that for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. You have an opportunity today to respond with a confession of faith and a decision to believe in Jesus. Today, we invite you to make a deliberate decision to invite Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Saviour. Romans 10.10 says that with our hearts we believe and are justified, and with our mouths we confess and we are saved. So right now, if you have faith in your heart and you're ready to make that decision, you can simply pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I thank you that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you that through his death and resurrection, I am forgiven of my sin to start a brand new life. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me and to fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Today, I choose you as my Lord and Saviour and I thank you that I am now born again as a child of God. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we would love to know and we would love to help you in any way that we can. You can contact us on our Bridge Church website, bridgechurch.com, and we'd love to hear from you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you have been challenged and encouraged.